Hello, and welcome back to the Fight Sites MMA podcast. Uh, we are, Surum and I <clears throat> had to spend a little time in the stockade because we did not record an episode last week after Poirier Hooker. Uh, but Surum wrote an article on it, and I figured that that was enough because it was a bye week and uh, there wasn't really much else on the card we're talking about. So we got away with our laziness, but uh, this week, unfortunately, we can't. Uh, we have UFC 251 on the horizon. Uh, with us today is, I mean, who the hell isn't he? He's the most interesting man in the world. Hacks arrived. Hacks, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Oh, great. We get to talk about UFC 251, also known as Thanks COVID. I hate it. I was going to use that as our cold open, but that, that, yeah, that flowed so perfectly. I don't really even think we need to. Um, yes, this is UFC 251. Uh, without context, I think this is one of the most stacked cards, at least in terms of the top three, that I've ever seen. With the context, it's a bit of a puzzler um, and a bit of a bummer in certain places. But today, Surum, Hacks, and I are going to go through the top three fights. The main event, as of right now, is Kamaru Usman defending his welterweight title against Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal stepping in on a week's notice. How cool is that? This sport makes a lot of sense. It's very serious. Um, next up, newly minted featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky is defending his belt against Max Holloway in their rematch that everybody was just clamoring for after the first fight. And then finally, our third segment is going to be about the newly vacant Bantamweight title between Peter Yan getting his title shot, which we all, you know, we all anticipated was coming. And uh, Marlon... Mar oh, no. no. Not Marlon Rice. <laughs> oh, God. That's not right. Jose Aldo. Um... <laughs> Remember him? Yeah, he's in a title. He's in a title fight. No, it doesn't make any more sense to us either. So we're gonna break down those three title fights, and uh, we'll try to keep our lamenting to a minimum. And before we go, before we just dive into it, because I've already wasted too much time on this intro anyway, we do need to make a disclaimer that we are recording this podcast on Monday the sixth. I guess for hacks it's Tuesday, but we are still days away from the actual card and with COVID and travel and everything, there is still a chance that any or all of these fights could get wiped. Um, the UFC has had a few successful events, but they've also had some fighters falling through. I think this card in particular has more international names than we've seen in the past. Um, we just got noticed today that Pedro Munoz tested positive for COVID. Um, I hope, you know, all the best to Pedro, but his fight, Upcoming fight with Frankie Edgar has been scrapped. So this is, uh, this is again, still a bit of an uncharted <laughs> uncharted waters type territory. Uh, but we can't do anything about that. We're just going to do our jobs and analyze these depressing fights. So let's start with the most, probably the most interesting, in my opinion, and the least depressing of the three. Uh, Jorge Masvidal stepping in on a week's notice. Sriram, kick it off for me. Yeah, so I think it's, well, first of all, you kind of have to give props to Masvidal. I haven't 
So right after the fight against Darren Till, the thing that he said was something like, I don't want all these people calling me out on social media. I'm here to fight the best in the world. And then he went on to fight two of the guys who were calling him out on social media and were not the best in the world. So it's a nice change of tone for him to be fighting someone who's actually the best in the world right now. Because I think collectively that's the kind of fight that we all wanted to see from him. Because I don't think there's much of a question that he's elite. Uh, there are people who say that he isn't because of his recent competition, but I think he's pretty decidedly elite at welterweight. But he hasn't really been fighting the guys who I'd say would test that, and Usman's definitely won. So this is uh, Masvidal's first interesting fight in like a year, over a year, since like March of uh, 2019. So uh, pretty pretty good move. Uh, if it wasn't this, it probably would have been like Nick Diaz. So a lot of respect to Masvidal for making this happen. But yeah, in Broad terms, I'm not sure how much of the stylistic read is even going to come into play because it's on a week's notice. Masvidal is pretty uh, notorious for getting pretty chubby out of camp. Um, so he's apparently been training, but all that said, there's not much to say on whether all the style stuff will come to fruition. But I think one interesting thing about this is that Usman's last couple fights, they've been against guys who either can't punch or can't box. Um, it's uh, it's Tyron Woodley, who's pretty much a pure puncher, who has a single punch. And it's uh, Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington, who each have varying degrees of mechanical inefficiency. And just they're, they're not, they can't crack. And in exchanges, I think Masvidal can, in theory, create some success and actually make it matter the way that RDA and Colby couldn't. But then you've got the elephant in the room, which is the wrestling. And I think Masvidal, he's... Ed wrote an article about Masvidal's wrestling. It's pretty solid. He's very good, especially on the wrist, which goes into his, his clinch advantage over most guys. He probably won't have that against Usman, but he's very good. But Usman's just a different animal in that sort of range. It's going to be interesting to see if Masvidal can have urgency to keep out of those ranges rather than concede it the way he did against Damian Maia. Pax, would you co-sign a lot of this? Yeah, I think... This is like what I would call the stress test of a lot of ideas behind Jorge Masvidal that we've we've thought about. We know that he can box. We know that he can strike. Can he keep it up for five rounds against a monstrous clinch wrestler who has shown, while not amazing, but increasing craft in the striking department, can put a nuclear target on your body and just hit it five rounds, no matter how much output you can throw at him. And if he gets you against the fence and you turn to the fence and you think the fence, the fence is my friend. Usman is going to come through, you know, the window driving like a semi-trailer screaming. It's not your friend. You're in my place. You know, you're in my home now. So yeah, for me, this is a a fight where I I know what Usman is going to do. He's going to have, power that is understated he's going to hit the body he's going to be a monster in the clinch and on the wall and the wrestling question and and i know that he's probably got enough cage craft and enough striking threat to get masvidal to the fence if that's the way he wants to take it so what's masvidal going to do when he gets there and how's he going to deal with that for five rounds because we know that usman has an inexhaustible gas tank that is totally and completely natural yeah i think i broadly agree like i it is worth noting, like, I, I I would give a bit of a caveat. Like, I don't exactly know what, I don't know exactly what Usman's going to do in the sense that, like, in a, in a strategic sense. Um, because Masvidal, one thing that's, that's important to note about Masvidal is, like, 
he is still probably one of the most well-rounded fighters in the sport. Um, it's very hard to like to kind of beat Masvidal with a singular sort of skill set, and he can be out wrestled, but he's hard to consistently like build wrestling against. If Usman, I, I think the way Usman probably wants to approach this, if I had to like come up with a game plan for him on the fly. I agree. I think hitting the body would be smart. Um, I don't think he should back down from exchanges, but I also don't think he should be trying to force them as regularly as he did against Colby. I think establishing the threat of the wrestling is a big one. The clinch is an interesting one to me because Masvidal is a sneakily violent and strong clinch fighter. I don't think that he's better than Usman in the clinch, but sometimes when you have a fighter who's used to being used to being so domineering in the clinch as Usman is, like you know, RDA's offense in the clinch quickly fizzled out after about two rounds. Woodley never had anything to offer him in the clinch to begin with. So it wasn't hard for Usman to just sort of punch his way in limp arm out with on one side, have an underhook and then just start smashing Woodley's body. Like it's an exhausting authoritative kind of clinch game. But I do wonder because Masvidal is actually Masvidal is very competent there and he might actually make it make Usman a little bit hesitant early. I guess what I'm trying to say is like Masvidal has enough skills in enough areas that he actually might be able to force Usman to, respect him a bit i think usman is uh, usman very much thrives on his confidence and i've seen usman be tentative against certain breeds of fighters like you know he was more willing to exchange with tyron woodley than he was damian maya i think as his championship run has gotten fur has you know furthered and he's he's won the title and so forth i think he has cooled off a bit and kind of learned to just sort of flow between skill sets, but it's not uninteresting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one interesting thing about Masvidal is that even though he's a former lightweight light REA, he's not, he doesn't really look small for the weight class in my opinion. Like he's incredibly physical in the clinch, as you mentioned, and RDA's issue against Usman, a lot of it was just skill because Usman's a very, very skilled clinch fighter, but I'd argue just as much is Usman's just, insane physicality there and the physicality difference between Usman at 170 and RDA at 170 is about as big as you can find at the weight class period so if you look at Masvidal he's going to have some success in the clinch early in my opinion because I mean RDA did and the guys who just got rolled over completely by Usman in the clinch like Tyron Woodley they just didn't have a clinch game whatsoever he had the Anthony Pettis clinch game so I don't think Masvidal just gets rolled but I think it's a little bit likely that Usman just figures out what Masvidal does in the clinch, wears him out in there, and just takes over with his physicality. I think that's probably the most likely clinch scenario, but him getting backed off is not probable, possible. I, I think there's a there's a certain type of fight that we, we talk about, which is this idea that you can win a fight by making the other guy be the best version of themselves, making them consistently fight your fight. And... I feel like Usman's path to win against Masvidal is actually, in a sense, to kind of almost abuse the fact that Masvidal is very well-rounded and has confidence in his well-roundedness. I feel like where this fight goes, where Usman wins, is Usman goes, I'll fight you anywhere, 
but I'm never going to fight you in one specific sphere of the game, striking, wrestling, clinching, for more than, say, a couple of seconds. And every single time we transition out of a specific area, so maybe you think I'm going to cage wrestle you, maybe you think I'm going to try and knock you out with my power, he punctuates it with a lot of attacks to the body. Because I, I feel like I have a lot of confidence for Masvidal to be able to find success and perhaps even compete or beat Usman in specific areas if Masvidal feels confidently and fairly so that it's going to be a firefight on the feet and the clinch wrestling threat is is not going to happen for maybe let's say the next five seconds because the positioning of both fighters is in the center of the octagon yeah I like Masvidal's chances but if Usman says okay let's do that but I'm going to use the threat of my wrestling and clinch game to disrupt it which is kind of standard you know high level mma but beyond that i'm going to relentlessly attack your body and i'm going to keep doing this for five rounds can you take the pace motherfucker that's where i think masvidal starts to come apart um pace is a weapon in on itself but for me with this minute it's the mixture of uncertainty that his tremendous physicality can produce the fact that he can hit pretty hard, and it seems like his power in particular is that kind of thudding power where if he's hitting you in the body over a couple of rounds, you really start sucking wind rather than pure KO power. And I think the fact that it is something that doesn't get talked about enough, has Masvidal ever had a five-round fight against an elite opponent who can really make him work the whole time? I don't remember a fight like that, and... In a championship-level fight, that's a fair question to ask of a fighter, especially against somebody as good. Yeah, the closest one that comes to mind as an example is probably Masvidal's fight with Benson Henderson. But, I mean, you know, there's no <laughs> there's no comparing Benson Henderson to Kamaru Usman. Uh, I was just if you're looking for examples, that's probably the closest one. Yeah, I think I agree um, broadly in those senses. I... The, this is such a bad comparison, um, partly because I think these fighters are just a lot better than the two I'm about to reference. But it does almost feel a little bit like a like a Jones DC type comparison, where I think that Masvidal's success is probably gonna it's probably gonna be tactical success. Like I do think, you know, I think that if if Usman just care, carelessly rushes into the clinch, I think Masvidal can punish him for that. If Usman isn't respecting Masvidal's space, I think. Um, Masvidal can punish him for that. Um, at range, Masvidal has some weapons that I think are going to, you know, maybe maybe trouble or maybe just frustrate Usman from, you know, working his normal game from the opening minute, as we've seen him do before. But in a broader strategic sense, is it likely that we see, like, like you know, when Usman's able to play off a couple of threats in a matter of seconds when he's able to sneak in a couple body shots here and there, when these start accumulating in a five round sense, is this like, are these strategic moments? Can Masvidal win this fight in a strategic sense? And I'm not really sure I see it. Um, like I, I think that Usman hacks, we talked about this a little bit, but I think that Usman actually showed a lot of the right shades against Colby. Um, I think that was, you know, uh, the, his, preparation and his approach in that fight surprised a lot of people i think it was a pretty emotionally charged fight but um i think that it was a a very promising performance in what in the shades that Usman showed and how dimensional a fighter he's becoming like i said i, I really want to highlight i don't think this is uninteresting like 
it's it's Jorge Masvidal and like almost you have to be you have to be really good to beat Masvidal and of those fighters who are really good it's it's difficult to beat Masvidal it's very it's very difficult to like dominate Masvidal bell to bell he's almost always going to compete with everybody just about everywhere but in you know in competing is he going to wind up losing some of those you know, is he going to lose track of the strategic sense of the fight? Is he going to lose track of the fight as a whole? And is Usman just, you know, a bit better in those small spaces, in those transitions, in those short clinch exchanges, in those tie-ups, where over time it just accumulates into a, you know, a bit more of a one-sided fight? And I kind of think yes. I mean, this is why thanks. I hate it, COVID, because this is one of those fights where give this a couple of months for the two of them to talk some really awkward shit to each other and, and, and you know, uh, try and prepare in camp, and I think this fight would be so much more compelling. Obviously, I'm not knocking on either of them to take the fight the way they're taking it now, especially Masvidal. I mean, how many fights has he been through? This is his first shot at a UFC title? Like, of course, take it, especially if it offers a bigger payday. But from a... I don't know, strategic sense, an analytical sense. You know, I wish this fight was happening with some prep time because I think that there are a lot of interesting dimensions to this fight which upgrade it from, you know, uh, does Masvidal have an answer to the smashing train of Usman? And it becomes, uh, well, Masvidal's got some cool stuff he could build off. Usman, you know, in the Colby fight, like, you may not have agreed with Usman's decision to try and beat Colby from pillar to post, but if you accept that that was how he was going to fight, he probably fought the best fight somebody with this tool set could have fought from the perspective of what he was looking to do, how he was looking to do it. Um, we don't get as many of those dimensions of preparation and game planning for this fight because it's short notice, and that that is a bit of a downer. I think that's exactly how I describe uh, Usman Covington. The way that I put it right after the fight was that Usman fought the wrong fight well. And that if you look at the places where Usman had the greatest advantages over Covington, it was the clinch probably. Probably the ground, but like even that, the ground was probably a bit close. The clinch, given their fight with the RDA, didn't seem particularly close at all. So the fact that he fought in open space with a guy that wanted to kickbox him was concerning, and I'm not sure he could afford that with Masvidal for as long, because Masvidal, unlike Covington, he knows how to punch for one. He's a much craftier boxer than Covington, even if he's not quite as high volume, because no one is, but he's more of a danger to fight that way. But that said, if you're going to look for someone improving on the feet, if you're going to look for a wrestler improving on the feet, that's pretty much as good as you can find it. So yeah, the, the emotions came into it, plus Covington just having the reputation, I suppose. Masvidal, he doesn't have that reputation, but I think it could go back to that Usman kind of getting scared off. I don't want to say scared off. He's getting a bit less confident than he was in certain phases against like Damian Maya, against like, for example, when he got hit hard by Emil Meek, which was, uh, I mean, he improved a lot after that, but you know, it's early fights are sometimes a bit useful in looking at this stuff. If Masvidal gives Usman enough resistance in the clinch, I think there's a route for Masvidal to like hit him hard once and be like, okay, I need to be a little more, I need to be a little bit more careful in entering the clinch than I used to be. But in any sense, I don't really see Usman abandoning his biggest areas of strength the way he did against Covington, just because there's so much more danger in this fight. I'm kind of feeling a uh, Usman by decision that starts competitive and kind of gradually gets a little more one-sided. You guys agree? Yep. 
I mean, isn't it like fight site rules that whenever everybody predicts a decision, it's important that somebody predicts like a five, you know, a five second knockout to the other way. So let's just say Masvidal by flying knee, because if it actually happens, oh my god, that, I'm never gonna let anyone live it down. Incredible. Um, we'll, we'll we'll write in a staff pick for you, Hax. <laughs> You're not officially part of the staff, but you might as well be. Um, all right, I think we're good on that first one. Um, I think the last two are probably going to need some more time as well. About the same. I kicked it to you, Serum, so I will send it over to Hacks for this next one. Volkanovski versus Holloway 2. Hacks. This may not be the saddest or weirdest fight of the three, but it has it has me feeling a certain kind of way. How are you feeling about it? Well, I mean, I just I just read a, a an article where apparently Volkanovski is pushing for this rematch, not Max. Um, in which case my response is, damn, channeling the Floyd Mayweather there, Volkanovski, that's a smart move. Uh, rematch Max now, because if you beat him a second time, you never have to deal with him again. Don't don't let him take a don't let him take a warm up and sit back and critically re-examine what he did wrong in the first fight. No, 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 beat him up now. He probably hasn't learned anything. Um, and that's a bit of a joke, but that also kind of uh, captures how I feel about this fight. I think Volkanovski came out with a great strategic performance in the in the first fight and while max had some good adaptations by the end uh, volkanovsky understood how to limit max's mobility and thus deny him you know those volume-based exchanges he want uh, volkanovsky understood that he had a comparative advantage in power that is not necessarily to say that volkanovsky is some huge hitter merely that he realized i hit harder than this guy so if I am able to punctuate the beginning and ending of exchanges with good shots or step in and hit him hard once, then from an optics perspective and perhaps even from a narrative of the fight between the two fighters perspective, uh, I've done all the work I need to do on this exchange. You know, like Volkanovski did a lot of good things and Max had some good adaptations, but I don't think Max is winning any rematch unless he really sits down and thinks about the weaknesses in his game, the limitations that have seemed apparent since I, th- I think at least the Dustin fight and, and really makes an effort to tackle those. I don't think he's had enough time to do that, obviously in part due to COVID. Um, I don't truly know if his camp and him as a fighter is capable of doing all of those re-examinations and then bringing it to Volkanovski in a rematch. Of course, nobody can really know that. We only know after the fight. And for those reasons, um, even though these two are like probably in my top five favorite fighters, they're my boys. Um, I don't feel good about this fight. I feel really, really cynical that this could just be bad for Max. And not bad in a he loses, bad as in a he gets taken apart. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I think I largely agree in that sense. Um, something that actually Simon pointed out a couple days ago that has kind of resonated with me is that I think uh, we could be wrong, but it kind of seems like a lot of Max's uh, competitive spirit to like keep the title and, you know, become champion and everything. It might've fizzled out a bit. Um, I think he seems to be at peace with his legacy and I want to make it clear to our audience, Max still has a legacy in this sport. I, I firmly keep him as one of probably the 10 best fighters I've ever seen in MMA. Um, and a loss here is not going to change that. I like I want to make that clear to people who are you know going to do an about face on this because there always are. 
Um, but it does seem like Max might be settling into more of just being a, a high-level action fighter who's willing to sort of step in and and compete with guys, and he'll play his game, and he's, you know, sort of his skill set's taken him as far as it's going to take him, and he doesn't really feel the need to to go any further, and that's fine. I think that there are still plenty of fights at Featherweight that I would confidently pick, pick Max Holloway in. Uh, this is not one of them, and this is not the kind of fight where I really like that attitude. Um, my biggest thing is that... Okay, so Volkanovski clearly had a, had the beat on Max from the beginning, and it took Max a lot longer to sort of figure out Volk in the same way. Uh, the he Max needs to do something about the low kicks early. I don't think it's this like I think he has to explore not just like checking the kicks. He needs to like retract his leg more. He needs to like he needs to counter the kicks. He can't let Volkanovski have as many free shots because that was part of the reason that it was that fight sort of maybe was a bit of a simmer was because Volk was just sort of getting off these free low kicks early. Um, and he was setting them up well. One of the things that uh, Sferim and I talked about in our discussion of this fight was that I pointed about out about Volkanovski is that he is not just tactically unpredictable, but he's mechanically unpredictable. Uh, the way that he squares his shoulders up to spring into leg kicks, the way that he kind of may throw out a, you know, from his orthodox stance, a, a slight lead leg inside kick and then step into another punch. Uh, the way that he can shift into leg kicks. Like he's, if you watch his, his body mechanics and his feints, it's very hard to tell what's coming back. Like I said, it's not just it's not just a technical thing. It's it's a mechanical thing. It's a very it's a very impressive part of his game. Um, and Volkanovski, one of the things that I think he does amazingly well in the sport is he is great at establishing threats. Uh, he's not entirely dissimilar to Kamaru Usman in this sense. Maybe even more so, um, in how he forces opponents to be reactive. Like he he's happy to throw a, a long left hook into the, you know, long left hook to the body to get into the clinch. And then once he's in the clinch, he'll try for a takedown. Once he's trying for a takedown, if he doesn't feel it, he'll bail on it. And then he'll land a punch on the break. And then he may pressure further after that punch to get back into the clinch. Um, and so he's actually, he's an extremely dimensional layered fighter. Like I really love that about him. He's, he plays off all his threats and I don't think Volkanovsky is, like, amazing at all of these things, but he is amazing at blending all of them and threatening with all of them. If I had to, like, if I had to pick things that Max needs to do in, you know, kind of in response to what you said, Hacks, I think he needs to, he needs to kick more. Um, Volkanovsky is a, a very good kicker of his own, but he doesn't do a lot to disincentivize the kicks of his opponents. Um, Max actually had good success when he went southpaw, uh, where he actually, Volk had a difficult time disincentivizing his lead right-handed jab, and then sort of, you know, as Volk would try for the inside leg kick off the rear leg, Max had an easier time countering that in southpaw. Um, I do sort of have a question, maybe Max doesn't like punching down? Like, you know, we were sort of wondering why he doesn't throw body shots. That might have something to do with it. He also didn't throw quite as many against Frankie Edgar. Um, I have some more thoughts, but I'll throw it over to Sriram just because I, I talk too much right there. But I think broadly, 
I, I broadly agree um, with what Hack said. This is, it does make me feel, if Max's head is at where I think he's at, and I want to reiterate, I don't think that's necessarily a bad place to be in a, in a late career. Um, but I do think it is a bad place to be in this fight. Sir? I'm not exactly sure whether the, you know, I've accepted being high-level action fighter is necessarily true, but I think it's something that you pointed out in one of your earlier articles on Max, the, uh, I think you called it a champion's journey, but it was the fact that Holloway, all the way up until Ortega and Poirier, Holloway was still fighting like a contender, and that, you know, he wanted to make a stamp on things. It was like he was trying to earn something that he didn't have at that point. The, the way he fought against Ortega was absolutely magnificent, and I think a lot of champions don't fight that way. When you go on to the Edgar fight, you're going to be like, ah, yes, Max has made this change. He's went from guy who wants to destroy people with volume to guy who wants to command the fight. He's not taking as many risks in the pocket. He just doesn't want to be there as much. But I think you could argue he overcorrected a bit, or at the very least, he changed his strategy when he should have improved. And that's easy to say from where I'm standing. But the problem for Max is that he lives on exchanges, but he doesn't necessarily have the defense in exchanges that he could need. So his solution to that for Edgar, which was a it was a passable testing ground, and that's kind of how you had to treat the fight. But his solution for Edgar was, I'm not going to exchange as much with this guy. I can totally afford to exchange with. I'm just going to treat this as I can hit this guy whenever I want. I'm going to practice not hitting him as much as I might want to because, you know, I don't necessarily have the tools to do this with everybody. But the fact that he needed to limit the exchanges with Edgar kind of played into Volkanovski's hands because when Volkanovski hit Max with a counter, he wasn't as keen to just sit in the pocket, throw more volume, say, fuck you, I'm staying here do something about it or do something more about it because what you just did, it wasn't enough. That's not what Max did. He was, I'm going to back off, try to find my way into this safer. I agree with the general dynamic of the fight. There's some tragedy in the Holloway story because of all that. If Volkanovski asked for this, the way that Max felt he had to take the fight, and this might be his last opportunity, it might have been easier if he faced someone like Zabit, who he would have had that testing ground against again. But this time it's to bring back some of that aggression, some of that, you know, I don't care what you do. I don't have to care about what you do. It's not there right now. And he can't really afford to do it against Volkanovski unsafely. That's the problem. I mean, I remember standing Volkanovski ultra early, in part because I, I know some of the people that train with him. So I, I had the inside look. Um, and, and I remember like saying a very, very long time ago, it was one of the first things I said in the chat when I kind of started talking to you guys, was uh, Volkanovski has a fantastic sense of discipline as a fighter. And the first time he took us uh, took apart Max, you know, he could see that Max's defense in the pocket is not particularly layered. Take his mobility away, take his angles away, start cracking him with superior power, and it's it's asking a lot for a fighter, even a fighter as good as Max. Can you feel comfortable in a five round fight against a fighter that disciplined to? Maybe not change your entire style, but be comfortable with a guy who can take you out of your favored style. Like, you can't use your mobility and the angles that you're cutting and exchanges to disguise your, I'm not going to say defensive weaknesses, but your comparative defensive weaknesses. Um, can, when you're fighting somebody as disciplined as Volkanovski, it's really, really hard to pull that off. And uh, I. Some fights I like talking about techniques, right? Um, but I feel like the the, the Max 
Volk fight is a fight that is about approach and is about strategy rather than tactics or even, you know, this guy is particularly comfortable in open stance positioning. He has a beautiful let, stuff like that. That I don't think that matters here. And for that is a thorny question for Max because I think that is the type of fight where procedurally as a fighter he is at his weakest. Then you throw in the way their athleticism matches up. I just... I, I see a path for Max to do things that are good and give him more success against Volkanovski. I do not see a path for Max where I feel comfortable saying with any confidence he can win three rounds of this fight. You know, I can see him winning a round or two and then Volkanovski being like, oh, I see what you're doing. Well, we've actually come up with something like that because we know you're good and we know your style and we know your areas of confidence. We knew you were going to do this, so now I'm going to do this. And then I can see Max being like, oh, shit. And that's kind of how the fight goes for the remaining rounds. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good point. You brought up something there that um, I want to I want to touch on as well is like I think that Max's answer to a lot if he feels himself slipping behind in fights or he feels like he has to turn it on because I do think that Max in general has a pretty good sense of that. Um, his answer is usually just fight back harder. Uh, and like, I, it's not a measure of like heart or, uh, or toughness or even skill from Max. Like he's, um, you know, there was, he was pushed to the brink against Dustin Poirier and he fought back with, you know, with everything he had. I'm not knocking him for that. Um, the problem against Volkanovsky was that Volkanovsky wasn't saying you need to fight back harder. It was, it was like, you can't figure me out. Like it's it's taking you it's taking you far too long to get a sense for me, and I have a much better sense for you, and that's the worrying thing because my I, I sort of wonder if like if that if Max turning it up is sort of like Volk going into phase two and being like okay like he's trying to initiate more great that's that's another opportunity for me to to you know, counter him in the pocket and, you know, layer exchanges before and after and between, you know, kicks and hitting the body and all, you know, all the threats that I discussed earlier, I am better at sort of creating my own dimensional exchanges and making them stick out. And that like Max's usual answer of, I need to turn it up. I'm going to fight back harder. That wasn't enough. Like that, that wasn't the answer. And I think Max, Max is so used to it being the answer because he has, you know, as it seems, an incredible chin and, you know, seemingly infinite cardio. So he's been able to just sort of leverage that when he's feeling like he's falling behind. But that wasn't the way that that wasn't the way that Volkanovsky was beating him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to overstate how wide the first fight was, because if you rewatch it, Max had some success later in the fight that I think he could really build on. He kicked the body more from southpaw, as you mentioned. He had some success throwing these long right hands to the body. that um, he, he didn't throw them much, but later in the fight, he really found some success with them. It's just that he was too behind in doing the things that he actually did on the regular. He couldn't really enforce his jab with Volkanovski's kicking game and his very, very disciplined counterpunching and his distancing. It's just Volkanovski pretty much cut off uh, the nodal point where Max's game really depends on. And I think that really just gave him too much trouble. And I don't see him reworking that in a second fight. He can just do more of the stuff that worked the first time. But yeah, I mean, I think 
it's the kind of fight where Volkanovski, we saw in the first fight, he was very, very prepared for the things that Max does specifically in other fights, like the countering leg kicks. He was already, his head was already offline when he kicked. That's one thing that Volkanovski was very diligent about, for example. And now he knows what Max is going to do in the second fight if he's smart at all. And if Max isn't smart, Volkanovski can just do the exact same thing the first time, probably with more success. If he is smart, then it's probably going to be building on stuff that we that we have already seen. And Volkanovski's seen that too. And if there's anything we know about Volkanovski, it's that he's very, very prepared for specific exchanges. And it's going to be tough for Max to adapt quicker the second time to Volkanovski adjusting to his adjustments. And I don't know if Max is capable of that at all, but he's always found his way back into fights. And it's tough for me to say that he gets blown out this time. But, you know, with the training situation, it's going to be kind of rough for me to say Max makes the kind of adjustment that we don't really see in MMA. As you mentioned in your adjustment article, adjusting to an adjustment is rare, and adjusting to that is even rarer. And now we're going to like fourth and fifth layers. And Volkanovski, I think, is capable of that. Max, at this stage, when he's kind of settled into fighting his fight, I'm less confident. And it's even worse because Max doesn't really bring the danger in there. He's all attrition. And if you look at someone like, you know, Korean Zombie, who's worse than Max at most things, but at least has that, if I hit you hard, you're going to feel it very, very hard. Max doesn't really have that. He needs a consistent way of winning more than anyone else in the division, arguably. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. So picks, like, I, again, the, these all... The, the shitty thing about this card is that, like, we're we're getting some good discussion out of it, but it seems like <laughs> our picks are all going to be pretty open and shut. Um, it does kind of feel like the smart money's on Volkanovski by decision. Uh, I don't think... If Volkanovski feels like he really has a read on Max, um, like, and he, if he really wants to press, uh, I, like, I don't think it's out of the question to pick Volkanovski by stoppage. Um, but I'm going to stick with decision. Max has been tremendously hard to finish. Uh, and Volk, for the most part, from what I can tell, may not be the world's greatest finisher unless he's real, unless an opportunity kind of presents itself. So what are you guys thinking? I'm going to lean into the sadness and say uh, Max gets finished this time. It's not anything particularly well thought out. It's just with the circumstances, again, of his training, if we haven't mentioned it before, was um, Max is apparently just doing solo workouts over Zoom right now. And he met his coaches for the first time for this camp like yesterday. So it's, I mean, if Max is going to get finished, I think it's going to be in the kind of fight where A, he's completely figured out. B, he might not have the time to make adjustments. And C, he might not have the resources to make adjustments. And I think it's the kind of fight where Volkanovski, he isn't necessarily going to uh, pour it on harder, but I think Max might have some trouble if he if he goes in harder. And as you said, he's going to fight harder this time. He's going to try to do the things that he did the first time, but better. It's just going to give Volkanovski more opportunity if he doesn't approach it smarter. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Volkanovski late finish, and it's going to make all of us sad after um, – well, we'll get to Aldo again, but I think it's going to be a sad night. Yeah, I – I have to pick Volkanovski by decision. I think it will be competitive. I don't know if it will be close. I do think it will be competitive. I can't see Max falling into the abyss without some screaming and you know, scratching and uh, at the door. I And if Max wins, I mean, that's an insane win because I think I really hope... The more I think about this fight, the more I hope we didn't get a trilogy. But yeah, I think Volkanovski by decision and... I don't think it's going to be pretty. No way. Uh, and I think that is a perfect seg into the third fight we have, uh, which is probably probably even more of a bummer. 
um, which is uh, obviously I said Henry Zahudo has vacated the belt. Peter Yan uh, getting the title shot we all expected him to get against Jose Aldo, who was on a two-fight losing streak, uh, one to the featherweight champ Alexander Volkanovsky, and one by split decision to Marlon Moraes in like the least Jose Aldo fight I've ever seen. So I had Swiram start the first one. I kicked. Did I kick off the second one, or did I throw it to you? No, I threw it to you. So I'll I'll start this. Attacks. Um, I will start this one. How do I start this one? Good lord. Uh, this is probably the worst one of the bunch. Without sort of jumping on the Aldo is shot train too much, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Swiram uh captain that ship. It does seem like Aldo has not just eroded physically, but it looks like he's eroded technically, too. His fight against Marlon Moraes, he was so jumpy and incredibly tense. Uh, He was getting hit with shots that I've seen him evade in the past. Like, there were these sort of shifting left hands that Moraes tried that Aldo evaded against Mendez. Um... And he got domed with a high kick in like the very oh, the opening seconds. He got taken down by Marlon Moraes. Like I have, my, as far as where Aldo is at, like that is even more of an X factor than where Max is at right now. I God only knows. Um, I wouldn't necessarily classify Peter Yan as being a if, if we're taking them at like size and weight parity, which is we can talk about that later. I wouldn't classify Peter Yan as being a particularly hard fight for Aldo at his best. Like, Aldo is a tremendous... Not only is he a tremendous anti-pressure fighter, uh, he's a tremendous counterpuncher. He has the power to make Yan timid. Um, He has the, the jab to interrupt Yan's entries. He can kick Yan from range. Um... Like I, you know, I love Peter Yan, but I, I don't actually know if I, I would love to pick him against a, an Aldo who is at at full capacity. However, Aldo is not at full capacity, and Yan very much is. So, uh, I'm thinking this is going to be a weird one. Hacks. I I think. If we had a theoretical perfect Yan against perfect Aldo, I'd love that fight because it would tell us so much about, in my opinion, where Yan's ceiling is. I don't think he wins the fight, but I think how Yan handles that fight is a, is probably the best stress test you can imagine of just how good is this guy. But uh, that is not what we have. What we have is, uh, you know, Dana White's on the phone with, Aldo, with, with Jose Aldo, probably through a translator. Hey, uh, yeah, remember how you kind of maybe beat Moraes, but you didn't? And, you know, he, he is a gas tank of about one and a half rounds and you have a gas tank now seemingly of about one and a half rounds. And he's actually not very good if you, you know, kind of walk at him. Yeah, we need you to fight a guy who's going to walk at you for five rounds and is much better. So, uh, yeah, good luck surviving. We've wanted to kill you for ages now. Get fucked, idiot. Puts the phone down. That's how I feel about this fight. Like, um, where Aldo is in his career... <laughs> I don't think I think Yan is like the nightmare to go up against. Um, I, I really like Yan. I'm really high in his chances, but this matchup and why I hate it and why I don't feel anything good about it is just because of where Aldo is in his career. Um, 
I don't think Jesse Aldo was shot. But as has been pointed out by you guys and other people in the chat and many of the articles at the fight site, the level of competition of the top five fighters in bantamweight is very high. And every, shall we say, one or two percent that Aldo gets shaved off by age, by wear and tear, by not being able to train well with his camp in COVID and so on, brings those bantamweight top fighters, you know, that much closer to being able to seriously put the pain on him. And I think Yan is above that threshold. His uh, his pressure fighting, his confidence in the clinch, you know, it's going to make Aldo work very, very hard over five rounds. And as much as I would love to see Aldo compete all five rounds and make this one hell of a fight that tells us a lot about both fighters and is another great addition to his legacy. I do not see how Aldo manufactures more than three rounds of keeping Yan off him unless he gets a knockout. And I agree that there's been some small regressions in his technical game that I, I just don't, think he can get that knockout and if he can't get that knockout um how does he survive this how does he survive five rounds of pressure i mean aldo's looked pretty diminished by three in some of his recent fights yeah i mean i'm in the same place as you guys both in terms of prime aldo versus current yen and uh, current aldo versus current yen uh i think if you look at prime aldo versus current yen it's the blueprint that a lot of people are going to look at for uh, how to beat yen is the fight against jimmy rivera and I think it's a good way to look at it if it's not necessarily replicable for Jimmy Rivera himself. But you get the same kind of thing, you know, very good backfoot boxing for Jimmy Rivera and Jose Aldo. You have better ring awareness for Jose Aldo because Jimmy Rivera's biggest problem in that fight arguably wasn't just a big difference in durability and power and exchanges. It was just he couldn't get Yan to stop backing him up to the fence. And when he was back up to the fence, Yan just beat him up. So Aldo, he generally doesn't have that problem. He has his... A fantastic pivot to cut the exchanges off if Yan tries to put a pace on him. To say nothing was counterpunching and the fact that he can hit the body of Yan underneath his high guard and punish the shifting stuff that he does. It's a Yan would run into resistance everywhere against the prime Jose Aldo. But again, it's it's the kind of thing where he's going to run into some resistance for like a round in this fight, and then it's going to be Aldo's just. And I've been given the wheel of the ship, and so I'll take it wholeheartedly. Aldo's, and in my opinion, he's completely done. He looked like a solid fighter against Marlon Moraes. But that's not what we expect out of Jose Aldo at this stage. Uh, if you look at the site, we have him as our number one of all time in terms of greatness. And I think a lot of us would have him number one of all time in terms of goodness. That is how good he was, how skilled he was. And even in terms of stuff like athleticism, as a complete package, Prime Aldo was the gold standard. And I think at this point, he's not really that anymore. Going to have a round of like, ooh, this is a crafty look. I like if he does this more, he might win. And he doesn't do it more, completely gassed. And he's jumpy defensively, as you mentioned. It's just, it's not going to be pretty. And Yen, he's reliably going to put a pace on him. So it's, it's not, it's more of a fight of themes, kind of like Holloway Volkanovski, kind of like little exchanges, because those exchanges aren't going to matter in the long run for this fight. Aldo's not going to be able to build on anything if he's just sucking wind by round three. Um, as long as we're complaining, uh, please pass the baton my way. Um, one of the things that Ryan has pointed out about Aldo that I think is, I think I broadly agree with him as after the second Max fight, he pointed out that Aldo, the the biggest concern with Aldo, and there are a lot of concerns here, 
uh, is that he gets to a point in a fight and he just stops. Like, that that is the thing about modern Jose Aldo is that he's like, there is a set number of things that he will do in a fight before he gets tired and stops. And, you know, to some degree, maybe he always had a set number of things. He was never an infinite cardio fighter, but, you know, he was a much more consummate general of a fight uh, at his peak in terms of dictating exchanges and so forth. And Jan is not going to stop. Like, he's not going to stop hitting his body. He's not going to stop pushing him back. He'll threaten the clinch. He'll, um... He'll open up in combination, you know, he'll throw back at Aldo, and he won't, he won't get tired. Um, like, and I, I also want to highlight something that's, that's kind of been nagging me, is like, I also, I really do feel, I also, I feel for Jan here. I really do. Because this reflects badly on him. Like, Peter Jan has done everything in his power. He's done everything the UFC has asked him to. He's won every fight he's been given, often by pretty wide margins. They gave him a showcase fight, and he made a showcase fight out of it. I think, you know, I think anybody in the top five would have beaten Uriah Faber handily. I don't know if anybody in the top five would have just humiliated and crushed Faber the way that Jan did. Um, He's been calling out everybody. He's been calling out Cejudo when Cejudo had the belt. He's been in talks to fight Marlon Moraes. Um, who is, for, you know, inexplicably, I, I think he's still ranked the number one contender. I don't know. But he hasn't, there has been no one that he's ducked, that he hasn't, like, tried to avoid any fights. And he's, like I said, we all expected him to get a title shot. Like, I think all of us here are big on Peter Jan, big fans. But it's going it, to, it's coming at such a weird time, and it, it's against such a such a depressing sort of opponent under these circumstances that, like, it's not gonna. It does, it's not gonna reflect well on Peter Jan at all. Like even if he wins impressively, even if he just just puts Aldo out of his misery, it's still gonna look bad. Like it's still gonna it's still gonna reflect badly. If people are like, why are you fighting Jose Aldo when you know Sterling's right around the corner? Like it's it just doesn't it just doesn't look good on him either. And I like I feel for him in that sense. Uh, I. My parting thoughts, I guess. Jan, when he's facing powerful counterpunchers, Jan does tend to take fights a little bit slow. Uh, He's, as I say, he's a pace monster and a pressure monster, but he will slow a pace down if he has to. There's there's even a possibility that he loses the first round. Like, I, you know... And if he does, I don't want people to jump on the Jan is terrible train. He's probably just sort of building momentum. But, like, I don't see anything from Aldo that leads me to believe he can win a five-round decision. And if I can't trust him to do that, I need him to, I need to trust him to knock Peter Jan out. And uh, I don't think he's the one to do it. So I'm going to pick Jan by fourth-round stoppage, fifth-round stoppage, maybe. Uh, and I think it's going to be really upsetting more, like probably more, more upsetting than Volk max. I think it's really going to be a, a bummer to watch. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
same place. I think there's some hope for Aldo in this fight. Uh, I think one, it comes from Gan's general kind of slow start. I mean, it isn't like he isn't useless in the beginning, obviously, but he's he's not the come forward and smash your dreams and stuff it down your throat type in the first round. He gets into that around like the second or the third. So if Aldo has hope, it's that he's shown in his later career, like right before he fell all the way off, in my opinion, and right after he kind of lost a little bit of what made him him, he kind of had the ability to like force moments where there really weren't actual moments. I think the Moicano fight is kind of the best example of that, where he was aware of what he needed in that fight. It was not a three-round decision where it would go, if he, you hit me a little bit, I hit you once. It was, I need to smash you. And as soon as he found an, an opening for that, he just went for it and he turned it into a window where there kind of wasn't a really wide window there. So, so if Aldo's going to say, I have two rounds of cardio, let's smash that into one, go ham for a round and accept that the later rounds are going to be absolute trash for me later, he might have a shot. He's still not the puncher at Bantamweight that he was at Featherweight. He probably won't be able to do the kinds of things that he did at Bantamweight that he did at Featherweight, but he has a shot. The problem is that after Volkanovski, we can't really trust him to do that. And as I said, the later rounds are going to be awful for him anyway. So the best case is for Aldo, he comes out hot, knocks Dian out. But that's very, very low percentage. The middle case is he comes out hot, doesn't knock Yan out, and it goes awfully later, so he loses, like, a late stoppage in a fight where he won a round and a half. And the worst case is he takes it slow early, lets Yan get into a rhythm, lets him build, and doesn't do anything later because he just can't. That's just how Aldo is now. And in a five-round fight that he hadn't been in since, what, Max 2? In a five-round fight he hasn't been in since late 2018? That's just not late 2017, I think. That's just not going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, Yan, late stoppage, same page. Yeah, I think I'll I think I'll echo those takes. I would also say I would feel a little bit, maybe not a lot, but a little bit more confident of Aldo getting that kind of first or second round, you know, going all out stoppage win against some other bantamweight fighters. I think Yan is probably going to be the hardest one to do that to because he's a little bit more scientific than the other top bantamweights and i do think yan prepares a little bit better for these types of fights like i think he's more willing than say aljo to be like okay well i'm fighting this guy and he's good at this this and this okay if i have to take the first round off to give me the reads and give me the space to impose my game i'll do that um and it's that patience it's that patience of peter yan that just i i can't see aldo winning unless it's by one of those freak you know, moments. And I think if Aldo does win, that would be that would be one of the more impressive accomplishments of his career to be able to find that knockout against a very high level patient pressure fighter and, and, and fight almost out of style. So yeah, I think uh Yan by stoppage somewhere between rounds three to five. And I to sort of to sort of wrap this up, like I do want to say that this is a bummer because I think we like we all like and respect all of these fighters a great deal. And I really don't want to see anything bad happen to to any of them to be honest. Like I'd like to see I'd like to see Masvidal have a good performance against Usman. Um but I also have been a big fan of what Usman's been doing as the champ. Um I've been exceedingly impressed with Volkanovski and he has kind of won me over in recent fights, but Max is, you know, historically one of my favorites to watch. And you know, there's been great expectations on Jan since day one. And Jose Aldo, as, as Suram said, like we think 
incredibly highly of him uh, historically as a fighter. Like, I, <laughs> I don't really know what, you know, I guess the people that follow us probably knew what they were getting into and in listening to this podcast. But like, I, I don't really want to see bad things happen to, to any of these guys. And unfortunately, it seems like that's kind of what we're in for, because a lot of these fights seem pretty, pretty stacked one way. Um, yeah, bit of a, a bit of a downer card, not uninteresting to talk about, and chances are they might not even be uninteresting to watch, but, um, I have a feeling it may set some bad, it may set some bad omens, uh, for some of these fighters' later careers. Like, I, you know, I said I don't really know where Max is at in terms of, you know, competitively. Uh, although I think we kind of wish he would have retired a long time ago. Um, who knows, but nonetheless, uh, these are all still compelling fights in one way or another. Um, they're still interesting. And I think we kind of mined as much as we could out of all of them. Um, hacks, I, I, God damn it, man. I feel bummed out because we, I really love, we love having you on. Uh, it's just that this card had to be, <laughs> had to be an uber downer. Um, but I, I don't really have a lot else. Like I said, all three of these fights, the favorites seem pretty, seems pretty concrete. So UFC 251. Thanks COVID. I hate it. <sighs> um, yep. That's that's all I got. Hacks, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the this is the we hate COVID. We hate the UFC. We hate the fact these fighters don't get paid more. We basically hate everything event, and you know that's good, but that's also bad. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of boys that might be up for the slaughter on this card, and that also yeah. is is not good. Right. But uh, hopefully we get some great fights out of it. Hopefully it gets attention and hopefully the fighters get paid, which is, I, I mean, particularly for people like uh, Aldo and, and, and Masvidal, yes, um, you know, more wins, more legacy for them would be amazing, but pay the goddamn fighters. Yeah. Like how, the two of them have both been through, what, close to 35 fights for Aldo and over 35 for pay the goddamn fighters. Give, them some, yeah. give them some cash for their trouble. Yeah, and Masvidal stepping in on a week's notice. Like, we said it before, but, like, huge, huge respect to the man. Like, I don't even care if you aren't a big fan of him. Um, this is feel, almost feels like a genuinely insurmountable test for anybody. And, uh, you know, it's not really analysis, but I will say, like, if you're looking for fighters to beat Usman on a week's notice, you could do a lot worse than Masvidal. Um, we've seen him we've seen him look good in, in pressure cooker kind of environments before. So... Um, on that note, thank you guys for joining us. Um, those of us can check out our work on thefightsite.com. Today I ran an article, an MMA metagame piece on adjustments. Hacks has not read it yet, and uh, I refuse to speak to him until he has. Uh, <laughs> Sturm, do you have anything coming out this week? Do you have anything on the on the back burner? What are you thinking? I don't believe on... Um, well, we have the staff picks thing that's like oh, generally kind of fluid. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, that that should come out if we, uh, if everyone gets in there and if anyone's listening, get the fuck in there, please. Yeah, um, guys, come on. Yeah. For, for this, for, for this site, I don't think I have much. I probably do get back to the body lock this time for uh, shorter stuff, but staff picks is generally going to get my opinions. Um, your, your body lock mistress. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> the second one. I have to, I have to stick with it. Um, hacks. But, you have an article, I think, that should be running soon, if I'm allowed to say that. You know, Squarespace and LaTeX uh, as formatting don't agree with each other, but hopefully. Okay, but you've written it. Like, you've, you, I know that it's been, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's written, and I think you've been talking about it with Ed. So, <laughs> Hacks is going to have a piece, uh, but the nutshell is, pay the goddamn fighters more, am I right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Um... Oh, God, I had one more thing to say. Yes. So next week, uh, Saram and I will be back, and we're having our good friend Julian Lung come on for a UFC 251 recap. If any of these fights have been canceled or if something weird happens, and chances are with Jose Aldo fighting, something weird will happen. Uh, We will be there to discuss it. Apart from that, stay tuned to the fight site. Thank you guys for listening, and stay safe. Hey everyone, true I'm here to help pay the bills after we forgot to record this during the main segment, but we actually do have an ad raid this time, a very important one, uh, our first one ever in fact, so it's very momentous to the fight site. But we've been sponsored by Hyperfly, which is an excellent company who make premium gi and no gi products, as well as a lot of leisure wear. So if you go to the link at the bottom of our website, it's a banner that says Hyperfly, you'll be able to get some great merchandise for yourself and be able to support your favorite writers on the internet, slash podcasters, slash what have you, we're a renaissance man. And uh, if you do that, we'll really appreciate it, in addition to the usual stuff of just spreading our stuff all over the Internet and donating to the Patreon if you can. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show.